There was an idea. Dormammu, I come to bargain. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Bunch of jackasses standing in a circle. Baskin Robbins always finds out. I for the faster way. Are you Tony Stank? I am Iron Man. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective, the show where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie, episode by episode. I am your host, Eduardo, and uh, I'm going to apologize right off the bat. My audio is going to be a little more echoey than normal, a little, little, little unusual, because I am currently in the process of moving. But because I'm in the process of moving, I have a wonderful guest here right next to me rather than in another part of the world is peaches peaches what's up it's peaches it's peaches what's up oh and chris and robbie are also here and but they're in their normal places hey what's up we're in boxes it's peaches hey peaches what's up did you understand that i was being your echo because you said it would be more echoey (laughs) (laughs) so today we're going to talk all about episode five (laughs) today we're going to talk about episode five Uh, But before we talk about episode five, I want to remind anyone who didn't catch last week's episode that we do have a Patreon now. We are supported exclusively by our listeners just like you right on patreon.com slash assembly required. And I just wanted to shout out all the new patrons that we've gotten so far. So at the hero level, we've gotten Ryan, Matthew, and Danny. Danny boy. Uh... So thank you, you three gentlemen. And our Avengers-level patrons, we've got Brian and Riley. Thank you guys so much. They're going to get another shout-out here at the end of the episode. Um, but if you also would like to support the the show and everything that we do here, once again, you can support it at patreon.com slash assemblyrequired. Now, today we're going to be talking all about Episode 5 Truth, once again directed by Kari Skoglund and written by Joseph Sawyer. It's a very dense episode, so I think this will be a I think this will be a good one. Following his murder of a flag smasher at the end of the previous episode, John Walker flees from the scene and hides in his empty warehouse. In an empty warehouse, it's not his. He tries to collect himself while flashing back on things Lamar Hoskins said and berates himself for going into the flag smasher camp against Hoskins' advice. Sam Wilson and Bucky Barnes arrive to confront Walker. They try to convince him to give himself up saying his record and the fact that he was in the heat of battle might protect him. Which it kind of does a little bit. Yeah. Walker starts to listen until Wilson says, you gotta give me the shield, man. Walker responds with, so that's what this is, and becomes angry. He tells the two, you don't want to do this, and Bucky responds with, yeah, we do, and attacks. I love how straight to the point that response is like, yep. no, we do. No, like, we, yeah, we, I love like, that. It, 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 it says so much because it wasn't just, yeah, we do, it's like, We've been waiting to do this for a really long time, (laughs) and now we finally get to do this. (laughs) Trust me, I've wanted to punch your face since day one. (laughs) The three start fighting, and Walker is enough of a challenge to disable Bucky's arm and knock him down. I think, with a little luck... Yeah, yeah. It's just, I... If I didn't know that the show needed to go for drama, I would look at these two versus him, and even with all his training and his new serum, I would still expect... Yeah, whatever. They'll two on one. They'll eviscerate him. But I know I th- for drama, they had to make him able to at least stand up for a little bit. But I also think, and I'll just bring my point up now. I think the way that he fights 
factors into that a little bit mm-hmm. because uh, the way that John Walker uses Captain America's shield is so different from what we've traditionally seen from Steve Rogers. It, it almost feels like every single uh, time he tries to use the shield, it's a killing blow. Like he is trying to take people's heads off. He's trying to bash people in. And I think that maybe caught Sam and Bucky off guard at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the fight. They were kind of, you can tell with the way that they're fighting, they're trying to restrain him, trying to talk to him, just trying to get the shield. And then at one point, Bucky just like gets really mad and like tries to punch the crap out of him. And his fist goes through the ground. Like it definitely escalates. So I think that's Mm -hmm. why he sort of gains the upper hand at first, because they don't really understand who they're dealing with anymore. Because one, he's got all this training, and two, mm-hmm. he doesn't fight like Steve. He fights like something mm-hmm. they've never seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I found that's a really cool way to differentiate these two Captain Americas by not like talking about you know them, but their fighting styles. It's like a really fun way to see the difference in these characters. How Steve was a lot more about protection with the shield and using the shield to kind of disable things and kind of protect people, whereas uh, John Walker is significantly more offensive with the shield and he's using the shield to like smack and punch and like destroy his way through and to add to that i think there's something to be said about the adrenaline that that he's feeling because he just had a friend pass away yeah he just murdered another guy in cold blood he's also got the serum freshly pumping in him it's probably doing some sort of wacky stamina change to him like i would say that he's more than formidable of an opponent for the two of them like yeah, Super Soldier on Super Soldier plus uh, a military operative who has wings, but one of them is significantly adrenaline rushier than the yeah. other two. Yeah, I'm guessing the, the, the fact that he's a little unhinged is helping him out here. Uh, what I will say to this point when you wrote it, Eduardo, you know, every week or sometimes every other week, but we, we put the show together and as the notes are coming together, I know you all well enough that like more than half the time I know the points y'all are going to suggest for the show before you've written them. Uh, and then sometimes you write something that, you know, I'm going to disagree with. Sometimes you write something um, that uh, makes a lot of sense. Um, a lot of times we all kind of say we're a lot of us are operating on similar wavelengths, uh, but every now and then um, you, someone starts putting something in there. And as I see them typing it or when I pop in, I go, okay, that's, actually really interesting hadn't considered that which are the best points and this is one of those that i just as you were putting that in there i was i was watching the notes in a walgreens because my wife was getting vaccinated as uh, everyone was writing the notes and i saw eduardo typing this and was like okay that's uh that's actually really cool he's saying normally our points aren't interesting so that's normally your points suck <laughs> this time it's true that's not what i was saying robbie can robbie can tell what we're gonna put in the notes before we write them but he can't tell john walker's the bad guy yet <laughs> because i have a suspension of disbelief for fiction and not for show notes sorry we just need, i just wanted to roast you a little bit just a light roasting <laughs> No, are you telling me that post credit scene was not him turning to heroism? No, it was him building a shield with a box of scraps. <laughs> <Dave>. <laughs> yeah, when he's first hammering there, I'm like, oh, damn, he, he skipped Captain America. He's going full Iron Man now. Yeah. <laughs> I will be every Avenger. <laughs> Might as well try them all, right? Yeah. Get a little variety. Yeah, he already Hulk smashed that guy's chest in, so well, he's already got that one covered. 
in the first interview, he said he doesn't have super strength and, and he doesn't have Tony Stark's, uh, uh, what, what did he call it? He called it bag of tricks or something or go, coolest gadget. And I always just got to have the coolest gadgets. A janky ass shield made in the garage. What's an ass shield? <laughs> Nothing. What's an ass shield with you? <laughs> <laughs> Give him the one, two. Damn. <laughs> Shack him and then punch him. <laughs> Falcon continues to tread and get through to Walker as they are left one-on-one, but Walker is able to subdue him and rip off his wings. Also, rips off his wings and then attempts to decapitate him. That's, uh, keep reading. Goes for that move again. Oh, right, here we go. As Walker <laughs> angrily yells, I am Captain America, he prepares to kill Sam with a shield, just as he did the Flag Smasher, before Bucky is able to rescue Wilson. The two work together and are able to rip Walker's shield off by breaking his arm, then knock him out with a combo hit, which is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised his back isn't broken. Two things. I love superhero combo attacks. Mm-hmm. I've, I've always loved him. I've talked yeah, about Yeah, I thought of you when I saw that. And second of all, if Sam Wilson had been on Titan, Thanos never would have gotten a snap. Changed my mind. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. You're right. Facts. You're right, because he's an expert... Um, uh, therapist isn't the right word. Um, what a counselor. He's an expert counselor. He would have been, been able to help Star Lord talk Star Lord off the ledge and get him to come Oh, down. I thought yeah. you were gonna have him talk Thanos off the ledge and be like, "Do you really need to snap, man? Like, just think about it." The two work together and are able to uh, rip Walker's shield off by breaking his arm. Oh, I've already read this. Bucky hands Sam the shield, and Wilson emotionally wipes the blood off. That 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 shot made me sad. That mm-hmm. made, yeah. made me have feelings, yeah. <laughs> just mm-hmm. because you know that shield. For as much as that shield represents to the world and to America, it means something so much deeper to him personally because of his relationship with Steve. And you know, as as shocked as we all felt last week seeing that bloody shield, uh, it, I'm glad that we got a moment to actually process it through the character's eyes this week. And, you know, how, like, how awful that must be for Sam and Bucky, Steve's two best friends, to see this thing that Steve, you know, this symbol of Steve that he exemplified, just sullied like that. Feels like the beginning of him kind of, too, realizing that maybe he shouldn't have, he shouldn't have gave it, given it away, maybe he should have tried to figure it out first, because... The end result is kind of the same, right? Like he was gifted the shield, decided he didn't want it, but it ends up back in his hands anyway. But at this point, it's got literally a little bit of blood on it. Like mm-hmm. there's, it's a little darker now. After Sam tells, after excuse me, Sam tells Bucky Carly, Mar- Carly Morgenthau has disappeared, and Bucky angrily leaves without a word. Joaquin Torres arrives and lets Sam know Walker's public execution has created an international incident and the investigation of the Flag Smashers has been escalated above them. Wilson walks away, allowing Torres to keep his wings. Dum-dum-dum! So so he's definitely going to be talking now, right? That's what was happening there? (laughs) Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If not next week, then somewhere down the line, that seed has been planted. Oh, no way next week, though, right? Like, no way. There's, I, I, I don't know... How much? I mean, there's already so much. I feel like has to happen next week. Yeah, yeah, that would almost be too soon if he's like, 
hey, you let me keep, keep those wings, and now I'm part wings. Yeah, those wings are broken. <laughs> we know that he can fix them because he's fixed Red Wing before. Mm-hmm. But... He, he was like, Torres, take these broken wings and learn to fly. <laughs> <laughs> Boy. <laughs> I'm kind of sad he didn't say that. I know. He could have. Shake this broken wing. John Walker appears before the GRC in Washington D.C. and is stripped of the mantle. Was that the GRC he appeared in front of? It is, isn't it? I, I it know seemed it. like more of I a military was, tribunal than yeah, the GRC. That, that guy yeah, that, that gave because that guy is GRC. like the chair of the GRC. And he is a senator, definitely, but he was okay. flanked by what okay. seemed like... Yeah, that was U.S. military, I think. Okay. But that yeah. guy is also, I think, the U.S. representative on the GRC. Got it. Yeah. Okay. That's how you know, I... in politics, how they have yeah, the he... same person do 17 jobs. Right. Yeah. Got it. So he's also probably on the House Budget Committee. <laughs> uh, John is then stripped of the mantle of Captain America and given uh, an other-than-honorable discharge. Walker angrily tries to defend himself, then walks away saying, I am Captain America. And Chris, this scene was super interesting because once again, you sort of, you kind of feel bad for John Walker, right? Yeah, like There's a lot weird. of sympathy there, even though you understand that he's slowly but surely going off the hinge and he's definitely not the, he's definitely the villain. There's no room for debate there. Um, but you do definitely start to feel you feel something for this guy, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I maintain that he is a very tragic villain. He, he didn't have to go bad. He very well could have been a good person. I like to go out, um, you know, after I watch the episode, I like to go out and read a lot of the different recaps and reviews of the show in different places. And it's always interesting to hear different points of view. And uh, the AV Club and io9 are like some of the only websites where I'll actually go down and read the comments and be interested. Normally reading the comments is a terrible idea anywhere on the internet, but there's usually some good discussion happening down there on those reviews. And I actually saw a few comments today I thought were very interesting uh, from veterans and then family and friends of veterans who said that the way that the military and the government treat Walker here as a scapegoat kind of rings true to them i think that was interesting it's not again not something i can personally speak for but i i think that it's not a secret that you know a lot of veterans could be treated a lot better after they return return home obviously he was he deserves to be punished for the horrible things that he did but if he hadn't done this on foreign soil in front of a bunch of cameras would he have gotten in trouble i think not I think that if he had done it as part of an official mission and it hadn't been broadcast across the internet and the news all over the world, they probably would have just let it slide. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I still think that there's an argument. I I think the fact that it happened on foreign soil is what pushed it, and, and that he killed a foreign national, I think, is what pushed it to the point where the military and the U.S. government could not ignore it. Uh, but I still think that it would have been interesting if we'd gone into all the people who would have thought that this Captain America was right to do this that we talked about last week. Um, I hate how it's even more relevant this week than when we talked about it last week. But, but, you know, and I actually did see people people talking about the show saying that about Captain America, that, oh, he was right to do that. I saw a ton Mm -hmm. of it. I saw a ton of it. 
Yeah, you know, if people people say that kind of thing in real life, they're going to say it mm-hmm. about their fiction too. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, aside from that, was he wrong when he said that he's done everything that they've asked him to do? Right. And no, he had a point. He's obviously a troubled individual, and the serum obviously was the breaking point for him. Mm-hmm. It is. It is broken his brain in some way no which is not to say that he does not bear responsibility for his actions right but yeah it, it doesn't it doesn't excuse him but it, from his point of view he's doing what they wanted him to do and i can't argue against that either so it, it's it's just a really interesting it's it's got a lot of gray to it where clearly he's done bad things and and he deserves you know to to pay for these bad things that he's done but he's done these things with the thought and the the rather normal thought that this is what what they picked him to do when they made him captain america Mm -hmm. there's a line he has to that last thing you said there's a line he has right after this uh that i think reinforces what you just said uh and i heard it wrong the first time in the next scene he says they have no idea what it takes to be Captain America. Uh, now, the first time, I, when I was watching without closed caption, the first time, I thought he was saying, I have no idea. And I thought that was a moment of introspection, a moment of, of he's still struggling with the monster he's become. And, and then I realized he's saying they have, and it's like, oh, no, he's an asshat. But also, to what you just said, <laughs> is no, this is what they told me to do. Like, this is... Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah. And, and I think it's... Um, he may well be like Aurora said, the villain, like the villain of the show and that he is the one that's on screen. But kind of to your point, he, the, the villain is a larger instrument of the creation of the serum, the apparatus that gave him the shield and, to, and, and wound up his string. The, um, the, the, you know, the Flag Smashers are also the villain and he probably should, he shouldn't have executed one with his shield, but he he was that was villain on villain in that scene so there's i don't know and we've talked about this every episode basically i don't know that this show is always deftly handling the the morally gray balance they have going on but that is kind of what they have going on where mm-hmm. their their bad guy has there is a uh, a tragedy to it they're the other bad guy there's a reason they're fighting for what they're going for the um the, the other bad guy is actually helping the good guys. It's so, yeah, and, and, I, and I think that's very interesting. Um, I think that's right about, it's not that he doesn't deserve what he's getting, it's that he is also being mistreated while getting what he deserves, mm-hmm. which is... Being people that all worked at a similar place at one point, did you guys have a small, mild bit of relatability, somebody doing exactly what they're told to do and getting yep. in trouble? I I was thinking a lot about one time I knew someone may or may not have been at the place that we all worked together, but I did absolutely work with a person that once did absolutely nothing wrong, did what they were supposed to do, and then when they got um, reprimanded for it, uh, they were told, well, someone has to take the blame. It's uh-huh. It's that sort of thing. Yeah. So I'm not saying that I relate to John Walker because I right, agree right, with right, you right, saying absolutely. he's an asshat, but that moment was very like, ooh, I know that <laughs> feeling. We all probably know that feeling a little. Yeah, and I think we all know people who 
wouldn't have necessarily been bad if people above them hadn't pushed them in that direction. <laughs> yes. and, that's, right. and that's all I'll say about that. What were you going to say? <laughs> I guess I don't necessarily agree with the idea that they need... I don't know if they necessarily need to where they should cover the people that agree with John Walker. Like, I don't know if I necessarily... I feel like, especially this episode, this episode was about Sam mm-hmm. making a choice. And I think maybe some of the first episodes were meant to paint a more morally gray picture. But this episode was about, all right, we're not in the gray area anymore. This is the path that we're choosing. And when we choose that path, these are the people that are correct. And these are people that are, these are the ones that are right, these are wrong, or whatever the case may be. So I don't know. And I also don't know if the show is supposed to kind of concern itself with like i think it has done enough to sympathize john walker without also showing people giving him like i think that the that point has already been made so i don't know if we necessarily need any more of that so i was actually going to get to this in a little bit anyway so i'll just do it now instead um i don't think they necessarily need to show people being on his side so i don't necessarily disagree with that and i absolutely don't think it's to make people empathize, to, to continue to make it easier to empathize with John Walker. For me, it's more, this episode, this series is, when he gets out of that car, everyone's just booing him, and everyone's just, and I think we can all agree that in reality, that is not what would happen. He would probably have a, maybe a, most of the people there would be standing there, you know, defending John Walker and waving John Walker flags and playing right, right. wearing, wearing red um, trucker hats with John Walker phrases on them. Um, Just (laughs) so, and I guess for me, it's not so much that it, it doesn't hurt the show a lot. I don't think it was necessarily important to it, but it did kind of feel this show a lot is worry is, is working on being a little bit more grounded, a little bit more something that re- we can relate to from our reality as we're currently experiencing it. And so that was a moment that felt a little bit more fanciful and fictional where everyone realizes the immorality of what John Walker did and now they're just so disappointed in their Captain America. And that was mildly jarring to me. Like that scene was mildly jarring because it did not seem to fit um, reality, and this has been a show that has seemed to try and fit reality a bit more than, you know, say Guardians of the Galaxy does. That being said, it could be sort of a combination of what you two both just said, in that this episode had to be about Sam. This this episode is about Sam realizing that yes, I can be Captain America. the The thought is still out there that there will be people. I mean, and we'll we'll certainly talk about the conversation he had with Isaiah, that there are going to be people who will not accept him as Captain America. And there are going to be people who think John Walker was a good Captain America. That actually sets up a lot of interesting drama. Obviously not for this series, but you know, this is not the last we will be seeing of Sam Wilson. And this is not the last we will be seeing of his Captain America. And I think that could be a very interesting avenue to go down to for future stories of him acting as Captain America when there's going to be this faction of Americans who do not recognize him as Captain America. Hashtag not my cap kind of thing. Where they are going to be sympathetic to the John Walker Captain America. And I think that actually, you know, the scope of this series, do, I, I think it doesn't necessarily allow for that to be thematically explored here, but I think that it does want us to think about it at least. And it'll be interesting to see if that is a theme that they return to in the future. 
in future Captain America stories. Yeah, I don't think that it's like n- not realistic to think there were some people that sympathize with this Captain America. I just don't necessarily think it's the story that they're trying to tell. I think they didn't put those people in there because they're like, that's not what we're doing this episode. We're not talking about the people, like, we're not going that far into these, John, the, the, what's happening with John Walker besides, you know, the his sort of downfall because we just, one, probably don't have time because we have mm-hmm. an ep- two episodes left and we need to kind of get towards the end. And I will absolutely go to bat that this show has some really, really poor pacing problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that th- there there is some, some, like this episode in particular was crazy because the first five minutes are so like balls to the wall action oriented like it is so like you're like stunned at the end of it and then it it grinds to a very Mm -hmm. slow crawl for the rest of it i enjoyed the rest of the episode a lot right that being said it is incredibly tonally different from the very beginning of the episode Mm -hmm. and i think think, oh go ahead go ahead no, you go. You finish. I think that's just instrumental of the greater fact that this show has a pacing problem in general. Yeah. I, I my, my general reaction to this episode was, I think I liked every scene. I just maybe didn't like the length of every scene. It's... And yeah, while they, I will say too, while they didn't, um, they didn't have a counter mob of people saying like, that's our cap, you know, whatever. It's not like he was completely without supporters. Like, his wife still supported him exactly the same. Uh, Lamar's family would have, in, in theory, supports him exactly the same. Uh, maybe maybe the sister, maybe that was his sister, kind of gave John Walker some some side eye, it looks like. Maybe she didn't believe what he was saying. Yeah. Um, but I was they were still too. supportive. And, uh, spoiler alert, Madam Hydra is trying to recruit him. <laughs> so, like, not everybody is is anti john walker at this point it's just we just saw one two second clip of a mob booing him while he walked into his trial hearing so and and there's still another entire episode where we might find those clips that you might want to see depending on what you're trying to get from the show but yeah i didn't think it was necessary because in the story they're trying to tell that's his downfall and that's what they wanted to showcase and then go back to sam I, I guess it's not so much that I think it's necessary. I just think if it's, yeah. if you have to, if you if you're going to ask me to suspend my disbelief there, and then it, it just ends up feeling like maybe you could have led to this point a little bit better. If now you're just going to ask me to, oh, the rest of this has been the America I know and love, but not this scene. I mean, maybe, but I think I also, to be fair, I don't know. Maybe there are going to be a lot of people that sympathize with this cat. But the video that was taken, and I think I covered this last week as well, was of Captain America brutally murdering a man with a shield while he begs for his life. And maybe there are some people that are going to sympathize with that, but I think because of the visceral nature of that, it is a lot more likely that people would dislike that action than like it. I'm not sure I agree with that. Well, okay, maybe a lot... Maybe I do think the majority of people would be appalled. Maybe I Marvel think... as a storyteller wants people to see the booing oh. of that. Oh, I think that's that true. that is something that should be I think, booed. I think that's true, but I don't think that this series 
has been has made the characters the way we want them to that they want them to be. I think the characters it's tried to make them the way people are. Yeah, but I don't think they're interested. Like I just don't think they're interested in the John Walker supporters. That's fine. They don't have to. They don't have to be. But it it was to me it was jarring because it was a little bit unrealistic on a show that has tried to be a little well, bit more realistic than some of its references. If it's not. If they don't all have coronavirus, why it's not realistic enough either? Like they need to be wearing masks when they're out again, in public. Again, there should be at least. You know, I'm also we're in not America, dragging so. the show for this. I'm not dragging the show for this. I'm saying it was a, a mildly jarring moment, and it's probably made worse by how many people I know that are defending the fictional John Walker. Anyway, that's gross. Yeah, it's a lot of people. Oh no. Yes. In the hallway after, Walker vents to his family, to his wife, who tries to calm him down and encourages him to visit Lamar's family. She's interrupted by the arrival of a well-dressed woman in high-heeled boots and introduces herself as Contessa Valentina Elaine Selena Allegra Benes Meyer de Fontaine, but tells them to call her I Val. I think a few of those names were not <laughs> from this show. <laughs> DeFontaine tells Walker he did the right thing by taking the serum and killing the Flag Smasher, and that people agree, but the public men in ties have an image to protect. I don't know, Robbie. The people agree, even though that one seed, she's telling him otherwise. Everything that you said... What is it? Show, don't tell? Is that the old adage? But maybe they just don't want to show... Oh, oh, right. So, So showing instead of telling is okay if you just don't want to... No, the whole point of that dialogue is she is saying that they're not going to show that they agree with you because they have an image to protect. So why would they show not tell for that specific dialogue? <laughs> hey, look, let's take let's. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what the truism means. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Is she going to walk them over to their private desk and be like, "Dude, check it out. Look at all this." Yes, if there's anything I've learned, has. people are really private about these feelings. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? You know what would be really realistic if John Walker signed on to Facebook <laughs> and then saw all the pro John Walker things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you know of the Flag Smasher's criminal background before John Walker killed him? <gasps> That's triggering. That's such a trigger. That would have actually been realistic. <laughs> yes. She tells him he's become very attractive to certain people and to answer the phone when he calls. I had to look this up because I had no idea who this person is. Robbie, what about you? So, okay, so I also know who she is, or or I did know who she is, but also looked her up afterwards to see what I didn't already know, and that is what threw me. So, um, uh, uh, DeFontaine is a is a character in the comics, and my most of my life as a comic book reader, I, I think I've kind of mentioned this on the episodes before. I'm not that contemporary with comics anymore. I will go to the comic book shop and buy some now and then, but I don't. I have not really kept up on the last 15 years of Marvel or so super closely. So the DeFontaine I knew for most of my life was basically one of Nick Fury's closest advocates, a member of S.H.I.E.L.D. And uh, so what I thought they were going for in the scene when she showed up was she's arrogant and she's obnoxious, but partly they're doing that as a bait and switch for the audience because they want the audience to think, oh, she's a villain. She's recruiting them to be a villain. And really she's S.H.I.E.L.D. or what is, what is left of S.H.I.E.L.D. And she's going to try and corral him and get him under control. And, and maybe that will work and maybe that won't. I don't know. But that was my takeaway of what they were doing in the, scene, on, in the scene. I have since found out that in comics I have not read that are more recent, 
that they have established, they have retconned her entire career as having been a Russian spy inside of S.H.I.E.L.D. and she's supposed to be in the Black Widow movie. And that's probably what's actually going on here. And, and, and who knows? Maybe there's, you know, another bait and switch going on. I don't know. And, but uh, it seems more like she is a, maybe maybe creating the Dark Avengers or something like that. Because also she was involved with Gannis, I believe, in the comics. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe that's what's going on. Ateta Takumpo? Yeah. <laughs> so that was just a weird moment I had where watching it, I thought I knew what's going on here. And yeah, part of me thought, okay, maybe they're using her name, but she's going to be basically an original character, which might also still be true. Like but Agatha. absolutely. Hmm? I said right. Like Agatha. Yeah, yeah. Although I don't, still think there's a kernel of what Agatha yeah, is yeah. in the Agatha character. That's um, true, yeah. And so I, I'm watching the scene thinking, oh, okay. So there's someone going to bring him into S.H.I.E.L.D. to be U.S. agent. That's how they're going to do this arc. And then later I'm like, okay, let's see what I don't know about her. It's like, wait a second. <laughs> Recent comic book history would make me completely wrong on what I thought this character was. So yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I looked her mm-hmm. up very briefly, too, and she also in the comics was a leader of another group that featured Sharon Carter. What? Interesting. Yeah, yeah, she was, was like... It was the leader of the, uh, I don't remember the name. I think it had like Femme in the title, but it yeah, was like okay. Femme Oh, the Femme Fatales, or right? Or something. Uh, I don't know if it was Fatales, but she was okay. the leader and Sharon, she was like, <laughs> she had a, she had an agent number also. I think she was agent like 14 or something and Sharon mm-hmm. was agent 13. They were like, they mm-hmm. all had agent numbers too. So yes, they all worked together, which makes this more interesting because they could tie those two characters in together. There are a lot of people on the internet that think that she is actually the power broker. There's no power broker. Before she said her name, that's what I thought. When she's wearing the sunglasses and she says, these boots weren't made for walking, which, by the way, because it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus, was a fantastic line. (laughs) Um, When she first showed up, I thought, oh, this is the power broker. Then she says her name. I'm like, oh, no, she's S.H.I.E.L.D. And they're gonna they're gonna get him under control. I'm, I'm doubling down on the power broker is the Mephisto of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. <laughs> the only difference being they actually say the name the power broker. In <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe the power um, broker was the friends we made along the way. It's all a big ruse. I was wrong. It's Fem Force. Fem Force. Yeah, pretty close, but yeah. Fox Force Five. Uh, oh. Very importantly, though, when she showed up, I also my wife and I both yelled. Because neither of us thought Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who is an absolute national treasure, was going to be in this show. Um, And she was, of course, as she always is, incredibly wonderful. So I can't believe this never leaked. Right? Right? The fact fact that she's apparently in in Black Widow. I saw that look. (laughs) Okay. Let me be 100% transparent here. Oh, she's from Seinfeld. Seinfeld, yes, Saturday Night Live, Seinfeld, Saturday Night Live, Arrested Development, Veep, um, New Adventures of Old Christine, um, what else? Down. What else? Probably other stuff. Probably no, something I, else Robbie, I asked you to name places that she's from, not shows that I've never seen before. <laughs> okay. What if I, I told you? Okay, I've seen Saturday Night Live. <laughs> uh, yeah, I am not super familiar with her work, so she was just another actor for me. I don't know. Yeah, she won a bunch of Emmys for Veep. Uh, I haven't watched Veep. I think Danny has. I haven't watched all of Veep. Veep is phenomenal. You mean patron of the show at the hero level, Danny? Yes, that one. Uh, I've watched other shows by the same creator, uh, which were very funny. 
Also, but, watch okay. Arrested Development. But what were you saying, Chris, or did you finish? Oh, no, yeah, I was saying that I'm shocked that not only is she in this, but but apparently she's in Black Widow. Mm-hmm. And somehow they got Julia Louis-Dreyfus to do a TV show right. and a movie, and presumably she's going to be a big character going forward. Yeah. Like, this is, like, she seems like bad Nick Fury going yes. around collecting, you know, people for her super team. That just makes and me really excited. And it never leaked. We already know, I mean, we've got certain people giving interviews for the Oscars saying, here's everything I'm doing in Spider-Man 3, which I haven't been announced for yet, by the way. <laughs> and we all knew Evan Peters was going to be in WandaVision. Uh, I mean, we've all heard the rumors about Spider-Man. We hear all these things about actors signing on. We knew Rosario Dawson was going to be on Mandalorian. We knew all of these things. And yet somehow, I can't remember the last time I was actually surprised by an actor showing up in a movie or a right. TV show. That was my thing. Like, I have no idea how they kept us. She's my job. One dropped. of, one of so the, exciting. I, I I'm aware of the two people on the camera above us, um, that she's not in their, uh, circle, but probably one of the most famous, uh, comedy actresses in the world. Absolutely. I, absolutely. Um, by the way, for the record, 12 Emmys across three. Why did she, I... can't, she can't be that famous. Am I right? Why did I get lumped into this? I told him she was from Seinfeld. Oh. Yeah, you do. You do. <laughs> 12, Emmys, 12 Emmys across three different shows, by the way. Well, sorry, yeah. I wouldn't say the world. I mean, I, I think the okay. world is a, little, is a little, maybe your world. Okay. All right, fine. The confession is, I, just, but I'm I know with, she's I'm in Seinfeld, Chris, I can't but believe, I've never watched Seinfeld. I can't believe she was kept a secret. Yeah. The thing is, she's a big name, even if you aren't yes. familiar no, with yeah, her. Yeah, it, so, it sounds like she's a big name, yeah. Absolutely. Personally, yeah. One of the last people I would have expected to see in a Marvel. That's production. also true, yes. Okay. Although at this point, I don't know if there's anyone that should surprise me. So Robert Redford was my my line of, oh, okay, everyone will eventually be in the MCU. Like, uh-huh. Robert Redford is in the MCU, so everyone will eventually be in the MCU. Michael Jordan. There is no, well, they're too good for Marvel. Yeah, we Michael have Michael Jordan. Jordan. He won't be in the. He won't be in the MCU. Michael Jordan is already in the MCU. No, the basketball player. I'm sure Michael B. That Jordan Michael play, Jordan. plays back, back basketball. That you know which Michael <laughs> Jordan number twenty three. Wait, wait, but um, not but, but Jordan. But but, but uh, Space Jam is part of the MCU. No, it's not. Don't you ruin this for me? Space Jam is part of the MCU. It's not. It is. How? It's. How is it part of the MCU, Robert? Are the Monstars a comic? A Marvel comic? Yes. <laughs> are they looking it up? They're someone someone up. keep going. Y'all are looking it up. Are oh you actually God. looking up Space Jam Marvel? I sure am. Ooh, Space Jam is a DC comic. <laughs> yeah, so suck it. Which makes total sense because it's owned by Warner Brothers. Have you not seen the trailer yeah, for the new Space Jam where like Wonder Woman shows up and like... No, I have I have not actually watched the Yeah, so if anything, Michael Jordan number twenty three is a Justice I... League member. Sound Lord, I do not watch Space Jams with inferior players who cannot hit free throws. Ooh. They never made a Shaquille O'Neal Space Jam. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> the Flag Smashers return to the GRC relocation camp to discover the refugees up. there have been taken away for harboring and abetting international fugitives. Carly Morgenthau yells about how the movement is ready and it's time to make them stop. I also think this is a pretty interesting moment, a pretty interesting speech for her, talking about like 
when is the world going to be like ready for us? Like when will the world like leave us alone so that we can just live in peace? Because in theory, that's that's all they want, right? Is they just want to be able to stay where they're at and not have to worry about this this government force dictating who gets what amount of food. And like, maybe I'm wrong. And maybe perspectives are different with who you sympathize in, with this. But I find myself sympathizing a little bit more with the Flag Smashers than I do with the, with the John Walkers of the world. Uh, yeah. I'm nodding. Yeah, but also they blew up a building. Yeah, and John Walker okay. smashed, uh, caved a guy's chest in. So, like, okay. if we're, okay. if, if we're going to say that there are evils here, sure, definitely. Also, they is a stretch because Carly is the one that blew up the building. And sure, it's very sure. clear that her group is not on board with her going sure. crazy. Sure. Baron Zemo stands at a monument in Sokovia to the destruction of Ultron and is met by Bucky. Sad scene here. Uh, Zemo attempts to appeal to Bucky, say Morgantha has been radicalized. radicalized radicalized by sal- beyond salvation <laughs> and that bucky has the ability to do what needs to be done bucky instead points a gun at zemo and pulls the trigger though reveals the gun was empty i love this bucky just flexing on zemo being like Haha, just kidding there's nothing in here you know what i thought about that a little bit and i think it's part flex because he does have that tiny little grin afterward yeah. like ah, i didn't really kill you but I also think for him, because this is before he had that final conversation with Sam, I think that was him deciding that that's how he was going to make his amend with Baron Zemo. He was going to point a gun at him, shoot him, not actually kill him, drop the bullets, make it look like it actually happened, and say, there, we're done. I have crossed you off my list, amends. We've paid each other mm-hmm. back for the crap we did to each other. Have fun on the raft. That's, yeah, I agree. But with also, that. that there's that tiny little smirk where I agree with you, where he's just a little flexy. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I think, I think you're totally right, and I think he's smirking because he enjoyed it while he did it. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. And I think it's, I think he's also smirking a little bit because he's Zemo keeps talking about how you're the Winter Soldier, you know how to kill you, and Bucky is trying to move past that or reject that, and this is him saying, "You don't know who I am. You don't get to tell me who I am anymore." I'm Bucky. I'm Bucky Barnes. I'm not the Winter Soldier. The Winter Soldier is my past, but it's my past. And he's not a programmed killer anymore. So he's demonstrating also that he's a super serum guy. Super Soldier, that's what we call them. (laughs) That's the term. I'm superhero, super serum guy. (laughs) I'm just a teeny. I have the cake. It makes the Um, whoosh noises. (laughs) But but he's trying to demonstrate that Steve Rogers isn't the only person to receive the serum who does not who who can reject being a monster as well. Which which central to Zemo's beliefs about the super soldier serum. Is that you know if you if you're the kind of person that takes it or if you take it it will turn you into a monster unless you're like some kind of paragon of virtue like Steve Rogers and Bucky is like I'm not a paragon of virtue but I'm not going to be a monster either. Instead of killing Zemo himself, he allows the Dora Milaje to take Zemo away. Ao says they will be placing him in the raft. As they leave, Bucky says he has a favor to ask. In Baltimore, Sam returns to Isaiah Bradley's house to ask him what went wrong with his time as a super soldier. 
Isaiah starts gruff, but eventually opens up to Sam. He tells Sam that he and several other black soldiers were given shots they were told were tetanus. He says most died, but somehow he was stable. Two soldiers were captured, and the U.S. military considered bombing their POW camp to hide the evidence. So Isaiah broke out of his facility and rescued them. Bailey brought it to our attention that Mm -hmm. it is very similar to the events that happen in Captain America, the first Avenger, when all of uh, Steve's friends Mm -hmm. get captured, all the soldiers, Mm -hmm. and he takes it upon himself to go break them out. And where one of them received a hero's welcome, Mm -hmm. the other clearly did not. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting is that this, this story is very, very similar to the story of Isaiah Bradley from the comics. And I read that recently and I did not make the connection how similar that is to the Captain America movie. Right. But, but it definitely That is a good is. point. I was, I appreciated your recap that we had on episode two uh, of this podcast. Um, when, when Isaiah was telling his story, cause I was like, wow, they, this is, this is almost two exact parallel lines. Like it's real close. Yeah. Yeah. A couple little adaptations here and there. Uh, like in the comics, the serum had a negative effect on his brain to where he, you know, his, his mental capacity regressed. But I, I, I think the, the right choice was made here to have him still, you know, have, you know, you know, still have his, his, um, I can't think of the word. I'm memory. I'm, memory. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not even his memory, but just to have like all of his mental faculties, just just to have all of that there, where where he can process what happened, because because he's he's basically like regressed to a child uh, mentally in the comics, whereas here he's an adult and he is able to feel the righteous anger that he should be feeling for how he was treated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's played really well, by the way. I don't actually think I even know the actor who's playing Carl Lumby. Oh, it's uh, fantastic. Who was a Martian Manhunter on the Justice League cartoon? Oh, okay. That's cool. What? Yeah. yeah. I just found this out. I was like, how do, how have I gone five episodes not realizing this? Huh. For breaking out and rescuing them, he was arrested, and for thirty years, Hydra experimented on him to figure out why the serum worked on him. I, it, I don't believe that Hydra? was Hydra. I thought that I was, thought just, was I thought, America. I thought they said it was Hydra in the second episode. I was under the impression, and, and I could be wrong, and I've only gotten to watch this episode once. Um, normally I, I get to watch him twice before we record. But I was under the impression that he was kept in jail in America, mm-hmm. experimented on by the United States, and Hydra, which was S.H.I.E.L.D., got the samples of his blood, got and that's how... So my impression. So Next in this episode, to... in this episode, he just says they. Um, yeah. But from the second episode, my impression was the U.S. government with, but Hydra plants in U.S. government for their own purposes, which is basically it's... one and the same thing in that case. Yeah. Yeah, I was under the impression because of what he was trying to say, and the sort of the message that he was trying to say that it was the U.S. government because. Well, okay. It then instructs some of the kind of contempt that he has for the shield a, and what it represents. A Hydra so. agent who is in the U.S. government is still the U.S. government. Mm-hmm. So I, I think if it was done by by Hydra plants within the government, they're still the U.S. government. Yeah, but I don't think mm-hmm. he... I think saying it's Hydra kind of like 
gives it a scapegoat for the U.S. government. Because I, I, I think he's very clearly trying to say, the United States did this to me. They are not for me. And so I, I, I think it doesn't, I think saying it's Hydra sort of gives the U.S. government almost an excuse. Like, don't worry, it wasn't us. It was actually the secret Hydra agents that were in there. And I don't think that's what he's trying to say at all. Yeah, I think he is absolutely. trying to say, the government did this to me. And the land of the free isn't free for people like me. Well, and yeah. further, my interpretation was the government arrested him. Hydra experimented on him. Yeah, I, I, I think I, and, may, and maybe, maybe, or maybe you're both right. And would, I, I lean towards Eduardo's interpretation of how it's kind of a cop out if they just make it, and then the bad guy is experimented on me. The, you know, the secret fascist Nazi group. Right. Because what when you are drawing such very clear parallels to real things like the Tuskegee experiment uh-huh. that we talked about. Um, you know, that wasn't a secret fascist organization. That was the CDC, <laughs> you know, it, it just right. was. So uh, giving it that, uh, giving it that sort of fictional out to soften possibly. the blow. That's possible. Uh, it's yeah. But, it, but, it, but it's uh, clearly if we're debating it, then it's a little bit unclear in the telling. Uh-huh. At least. Yeah, I, and I actually focused on it. The second time I watched, I focused on, and he just says, he just u- plays the pronoun game. Yeah. He shows Sam the letters he received from his wife, who died while he was in prison. All of them kept from him. Bradley explains he only escaped when a nurse declared him dead, and he has hidden ever since. Sam tries to convince Isaiah to let his story get out, saying the world has changed. Bradley counters that the world hasn't changed enough, and he'll be dead as soon as he becomes public. Isaiah says they will never let a black man become be Captain America. Even if they did, no self-respecting black man would ever want to be. Which is, it's so, so wonderful. And so, not wonderful, because it's not a, it's not a wonderful yeah. sentiment. <laughs> but it's so wonderfully uh, inserted into this show. Yes. And it's, uh, yes. it, it, it really um, sort of tells all of the the trials that Isaiah has been through. And I think it is... Uh, sort of, uh, like Chris said, a parallel to larger issues that have gone on for this country in this country for lots and lots and lots of years. Um, and Robbie, you wanted to touch on this quote specifically. Yeah. Um, first off, you already basically said what I was feeling. It's it is powerful, and it is sort of we talked about earlier, which was originally going to be half of my point here, but we already covered it. Uh, this show is grappling with. Not a realism in that, well, we're not going to have people without superpowers because they do have people with superpowers, but a realism in that our actual real world issues that we see are being reflected in the show. And y'all kind of brought up, and you weren't wrong at all, but y'all brought up to the last couple episodes, we, it felt like we'd kind of gotten away from some of those social issues on this show. And early on, especially episode two, we thought that well, it's really going to get tackled here. And they, correct me if y'all disagree, but they brought them back in this episode. And I think extremely well um this is a very powerful scene uh it's um a very disturbing scene but disturbing in the way that you recognize oh yeah i know i i don't that is not my experience that is not my lived experience but i am aware of people living that experience um still and it's uh i think from a terms of emotion and acting and importance maybe the best scene in the series so far at the same time. And this is, 
this is one of those things that I wrote in the notes when we were creating the notes and I find myself maybe backing away from some and it's more, I'm interested in the dialogue around it and really bluntly, maybe dialogue from people who are listening to the show, but not necessarily the four of us who are on this show, if that makes sense. Um, it felt like that, that line, the, that no self-respecting black man would, it felt like that line was backed away from rather easily as the episode went on when I feel like Isaiah Bradley is making a very strong argument on the fact that, no, you should not be Captain America. Captain America, was you are, if you're picking up that shield and representing America, you're representing a country that did not, that mistreated me, that mistreated our people, uh, that mistreated people who look like us. And so no self-respecting person would take up that shield. And then it just kind of feels like it then goes on from, his argument is just kind of dismissed as, you know, oh no, I, I'm I'm going to keep fighting. And I don't know, it feels a little bit like we had this powerful scene, but never really had a corresponding scene of equal power to say why, not, not that Isaiah is wrong, but why Isaiah can be right, but also I'm still going to be Captain America. I think, and I'll speak first, because I think my other point talks a lot about this. I think that they absolutely are talking about this, but it has a lot to do with Sam personally. I think Sam as a character and the way that we know him is a confident, you know, person that, that understands who he is and he understands the world around him and sort of grappling with the world around him. But I think he also understands that if you are told that this company, like say you work for a company and this company has hated you, but now you're offered the opportunity to be the CEO and change the, com the company. Yeah, the company has done a lot of bad things previously, but if you are given the opportunity to become the thing and become the change that you want to see, you, you, you seize that opportunity. And I think that a lot of the, what Sam is going to eventually later on in the episode tell Bucky about how you can't let other people tell you who you are. You are who you are because you choose to be. And I think that's how he sees himself as well. He talks about Isaiah and he talks about how he feels bad for all the things that he does, but he can't let that dictate his future because if he does, he's just going to continue in the same sort of cycle, right? And so I think they do cover it. I think it's a lot more subtle. It's not a dialogue conversation between two characters in one point. I think there is another point where we just, it's very, it's a very innocent scene of two young black kids playing with Captain America's shield. And to them, they don't, and I'm, I'm maybe we'll speak a little out of turn here, but I would assume that these children don't really understand the full gravity of what it would mean for a black man to be Captain America because they're children, right? They don't understand yet the social implications or what that means for their lives. They would just be happy to see someone that looks like them be Captain America. And maybe when Sam sees his nephews, he sees people like that. He sees these young kids out on the streets and understands these different things. He goes, you know what? Maybe Isaiah is a little right, but even if he is right, it's up to me to change that because you don't change things by just saying, I'm not going to do them. And, even though this person wronged me or, you know, whatever the case may be, um, you change them by, by, by action. Right. And so I, I guess I don't, while I sympathize with a lot of what Isaiah is saying, and I, I absolutely agree that, you know, the character was wronged and there's definitely a lot of parallels to 
what our social situation is currently. I do think that Sam at the end of the day understands what he needs to do as a character moving forward. And I agree with Robbie. I would love to get the perspective of somebody who has a little more experience with these kinds of issues as their, their everyday life. I won't uh, lie to you and say any one of us is, uh, has had this experience. Right. That Um, whole conversation he has with Bucky is very, very much like that. Specifically when you were talking uh, I thought about him saying, um, um, you want to crawl out of that hole, that pit that you're in, do the work, you know? And that is, that's kind of Sam's attitude with this is, yeah, I'm going to do the work. Like he said to his sister, Isaiah went through hell and he would probably feel the same way if he had the same circumstances, but he's going to do the work, you know, he's going to, he's going to make it better if he can for everybody else, which is why he was fit for the shield. Yeah, well, and I think he also understands what the shield means to Isaiah, but he also can understand how the shield means to him because of the experiences he's had with Steve. Mm-hmm. And so even though he can acknowledge everything that Isaiah has been through and all of the things that the shield means to him, he can also take that information and combine it with his feelings because of this person he called a friend. Yeah, and I think because he because of his personal relationship with Steve... I think that we we he's demonstrated like from the very beginning that he recognizes the gravity of the symbol of the Captain America shield and what what it represents and obviously that has given him pause just as it does with Isaiah but it's I think that the question then becomes does Captain America as a concept does it represent what America is with all of its faults as well as the good things about it or does it represent what America strives to be, the idealized America? And I think Isaiah only sees it for the first. And I think Sam has come around, and I think partially because he worked so closely with the previous Captain America, and, and also seeing what the current Captain America has done to that shield. And it goes back to how he reacted when he was wiping the blood off of the shield, that he's starting to see it as an ideal to strive for and you know like like you said being the change that you want to see in the world and i think that's how his thinking is maybe Mm -hmm. starting to evolve here Uh, so it it doesn't mean that isaiah is wrong and it absolutely makes sense that isaiah would feel that way about that shield absolutely uh and it's an interesting inversion from the comics because one of the things that actually happens in the comics i do believe we talked about it but i'll uh reiterate it real quickly is that in about issue four or five of that story, you find out that Steve is hearing this story from Isaiah's wife. And part, and it ends with him bringing the costume, the Captain America uniform that he wore, that Isaiah wore when he was liberating the, the concentration camp. He brings it back to Isaiah and takes a picture with him. And, you know, it's, it's the sad slash happy ending of Captain America posing with the black Captain America, both wearing the stars and stripes. And you're supposed to, you get the warm, fuzzy feeling of, oh, look, he's getting the recognition that he should be getting. And what an interesting turn for the, for it to be this, where he rejects the shield and says, no self-respecting black man would want to take on the mantle of Captain America or should want to. And it was, is a darker turn than the comics but a really thought-provoking one. 
too, and one that you know you certainly can understand after hearing a story or watching the news or whatever it might be. You can understand why someone might feel that way. I also think, and maybe I think it's just it it, it merits pointing out that we have one episode left. And I assume in this episode, Sam will be donning the costume. And I assume we will be getting some dialogue about why he has decided to be Captain America. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so some of this will also probably be covered in the next episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I am very interested to see. And I almost I almost expect it, not necessarily assume, but expect that we'll have some sort of, maybe maybe not completely satisfying, but some sort of, Isaiah follow up in the next episode with how he feels about, you know, Sam has done something that changed his mind, or maybe Sam did clear his name somehow, or something like that. So, and I'm not trying to write the last episode exactly, just saying I, I think you're probably right that we do have another episode that might wrap up some of the uh, the conflict of narratives that I'm feeling. The last episode is just going to be Bucky hitting on Sarah the whole time. Dude, I'm for it. <laughs> I'd watch be, it. It's going to be 50 minutes of them dude, flirting. I ship those two so hard. <laughs> yep, same. I almost said that exact phrase. <laughs> <laughs> the way he just kind of Sarah Yep. after. Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> he does charming very well. He does, yeah. He was on Gossip Girl. Old Sebastian Stan. Oh, see, I knew him first from a uh, from Once Upon a Time. I know him, knew him first from this, and have since known him from Gossip Girl because my wife is obsessed with that show. I'm fairly <laughs> certain I've never seen him uh, in anything else. Yeah, the only other thing I've seen him in is in Gossip Girl. Well, he was in uh, Once Upon a Time. He was the Mad Hatter. Interesting. Okay, now I'm yeah. going to watch Once Upon a Time. <laughs> I do you mind if I tell you a scene with him or? Robbie, yes, you're making faces. There's no reason he can't be the Mad Hatter in the DC cinematic universe. Yeah, that would be. That's fun. what we need. Yeah. He's already anyway, continue. He's perfect for the job. Yeah. So I actually really enjoyed the first season of Once Upon a Time, and then it started to go downhill. It was still enjoyable for for like another season or two, and then it just went got bad. Really, <laughs> <laughs> no other way to say it. Um, but an actual scene that happens in the first season of Once Upon a Time is that you have standing around in the woods the Mad Hatter, Rumpelstiltskin, and Dr. Frankenstein. And they are discussing the merits of science versus magic. Huh. That's a thing that happens on that show. I feel like that might have been your first Facebook status after you and I became friends. What a weird thing to remember. Really, <laughs> I I, de- I definitely I definitely posted about it because it left an impression on me that you had Bucky Barnes and that just hit a serious deja vu moment, and I had yeah. to kind of track back where that memory is coming from. Okay, I'm glad you remember my Facebook <laughs> statuses and tweets so well. Are you sorry they're not all about birds? <laughs> Dejected, Sam returns to his sister Sarah and her family to help fix up their parents' fishing boat. Sarah has been unable to sell the boat, but realizing their parents are pillars of the community, Sam reaches out to the locals to try and get parts for the boat. Did anybody else get It's a Wonderful Life vibes from this moment? Or Sam's like, I'll just call everybody up that we ever helped. And they were like, yeah, we'll help you. 
Mm -hmm. I liked that. Give me some fuzzies. Donations are overwhelming, including a new engine brought in by two older men with an assist from Bucky Barnes carrying the engine himself. Bucky hands Sam that a made case. Me say, <laughs> Bucky hands Sam a case he got from Wakanda that also helps him repair a burst pipe on the boat. Falcon asks the Winter Soldier why he didn't use his metal arm to fix the pipe, and Bucky says he often forgets about it because he's right-handed. <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. He was so awkward about it too. He's just like I, I don't I, I always don't. think about it. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man! I helped you get off my back. <laughs> Also, Bucky flirts with Sarah immediately right in front of Sam. <laughs> Good for you. Barnes sticks, <laughs> Barnes sticks around to help Wilson fix up the boat, and Sam convinces him to stay with his family. Uh, now, Chris, this boat repair thing, it's like a fun little, uh, it's a fun little diversion. I will say part of me doesn't really get the point of it, of why we are at like why this book maybe we'll get a little bit more in this last episode and it's more of like a, a metaphor about sam somehow but like right now it just seems like a thing we do when the people aren't fighting <laughs> okay I, I see that uh i i thought this episode was the well, we better slow down and deal with the themes before we get to the big finale because there's going to be a lot of pyrotechnics next week we can assume and i i, I appreciate that they take the time to slow down um, I know we had some pacing issues with the beginning of the, uh, you know, maybe throughout the whole series, but it is nice when they take advantage of the fact that it's a long form television miniseries or however we want to look at it. And they actually slow down and I, it was fun seeing the community come together to help them. And it represents what Sam Wilson means to these people. And, and his family, and not just him as an Avenger, not just him as the Falcon, but him as the kid who grew up in this town, in this tight-knit community. And I think part of that might be even what makes him think that he should be, he's the kind of person who should become Captain America. Because it's not about the combat medals and all of that, it's about being a good man, and, and that's who Sam Wilson is. He's a family man, he's a community man, and... Uh, I think that maybe perhaps there's a larger point that could have been made somewhere and maybe it will still be made. I don't know about life during the blip when people had to come together across borders. Uh, I don't know if it's just kind of out there for us to think about, or if that's something that's going to be, have more attention drawn to it. Uh, I mean, it could be a way to talk down Carly in the big fight next week. Who knows? Yeah. And then we've talked about how much, already like the the different we're getting up to a, a great sam and bucky scene very soon and i thought the bucky and zemo scene was great it's just i i, I enjoyed that we got to take take today to really have the characters just kind of come together and you know have feelings <laughs> it, it was nice <laughs> sorry sorry listener we're all staring at robbie who has his mouth open yeah i agree I just felt it all could have been slimmed down a little bit. Like, I think, I think I agree with Eduardo. It's not so much that I, I don't even necessarily care about the point of us being on the boat. And I agreed with you that the interactions on the boat were cool and the character moments were cool. I just felt like I got to a point, it was like a family guy joke where I got to the point that it was, it had served its purpose and then it just kept going for a while. And that's honestly just how I felt about the whole episode. There was a lot I liked about this episode, and then those things just 
continued to go on and past the point that I liked them. <laughs> uh, the, and the boat scene was one of them. So I, I think I agree with both of you. Hmm. What a peacemaker. Uh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> I, I, I liked the slowing down in this episode, actually. I kind of liked it a lot. I think these shows, WandaVision and this, uh, are similarly, are at their best when they are diving into the characters. Because we are watching these Marvel TV shows not to get just these bombastic stories, but to finally delve deep into some sort of some of the character motivations and stories of these characters a lot more personally than we normally get to on the big screen. And so I actually really liked a lot of what Chris is talking about here about how much time we got to spend with some of these characters really diving deep and developing. I think a lot of the problems I've had with the show so far is that they actually haven't taken that much time to develop some of their characters. Carly comes to mind immediately as a character that we should be sympathizing with because of what, like, like there has been nothing that the flag smashers and Carly have done to let me know why she can just press a button on an app and a bunch of people are going to show up. Like what has Carly really done that has inspired that many people? We haven't seen that kind of stuff. We've seen her steal food once, I guess, but there hasn't been anything that really lets us know, Hey, this person's inspirational, what their cause is inspirational. Then I think that's just a sense of, uh, of poor character development and, and some, uh, and some poor storytelling. So I actually enjoyed that this episode took a little bit more time to do that. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think that the show has been kind of hit or miss when it comes to stuff like this. Yeah. But I thought that this episode was a big hit. Right. Yeah. I feel like I have to say that because I've harped on it so much through the first few episodes about how we're not getting these kind of character moments and we are sort of ruining some of the pacing here and we're not really like sure which characters are doing what and things like that so when they're doing it right i feel like i have to like go to bat for them like they're doing it this episode they're doing the things that i asked for i mean i will say one thing that i think that they still are doing wrong is that they are just and maybe it'll i feel different at the last episode but there's only one episode left so maybe this is wrong i feel like they are stretching themselves in too many directions there are too many threads in this show and if they just cut one maybe two of the threads and fleshed out the other threads a little more, I think we'd have a much stronger show. Well, lucky for right, right now it feels like a crazy circus act where, okay, if they pull off this, they pull off this finale, like, oh my God, I am going to give them a standing ovation. Sure. Lucky for you, the power broker looks like it's one thread, but it's a ghost thread. There's, there's, <laughs> it's, it's not going to, it's just, they're going to be like, haha, just kidding. It wasn't Quicksilver. It was red herring. <laughs> Like, it's interesting that they brought Batrock back, but, like, I don't care. I don't care about Batrock. Like, I don't. Like, they're just, they're just too many. Like, oh, he ha- that's another guy that has a vendetta against Sam. Like, we got to bring him back. Like, I don't- did we need to bring him back? Probably not. Did we need to do a lot no. of things that we've done in this show? Probably not. And did it dilute the story a little bit because they had so much time? Probably. Uh, will they stick the landing? We're going to find out. Stay tuned. Yeah, you know what? It's interesting, now that you say that, and I'm thinking about it, all the other things that are shows that are Marvel, whether they're in this universe or not, they either have, like, a central bad guy, maybe two, so there's a couple threads going on, or we don't know who the bad guy is, like WandaVision. Like, I'm thinking about Daredevil right now, season one. The villain the whole time was Kingpin, and the people that were around Kingpin, they were an extension of Kingpin. And this one, this show just has so many different 
people in it that are coming from the you know villain direction that like we don't <laughs> how are they going to resolve all that and how important are any of them actually sure mm-hmm. yeah i just think they sometimes will spend too much time on the wrong things like i i agree just give me more bucky and sam that's it. That's, yeah. that's all you really have yeah. to do. That's why show. we all tuned in. Right. This is Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Just literally just give me more Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and I'm there. Give me 45 minutes of them sitting in the back of St- or in Steve's car watching him kiss Sharon Carter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and then he goes back in time and still marries his aunt. Up top. Hey, I've said well, Sharon Carter. Knew she was going to become an international supervillain, so maybe that's her villain origin story. She realized, <laughs> wait a minute, that's Uncle Steve. <laughs> oh no! Guess I'm the power broker. <laughs> oh no! John Walker meets with the Lamar Hoskins family. They ask if he killed the man who killed Lamar, and Walker lies, saying there's no way he would let the person who killed their son get away. Lamar's mother tells Walker how much Lamar thought of him and says he would rest easy knowing his killer was dead. Fan in the flames, lady. You're fan in the flames. <laughs> Walker leaves sullen and stares at a painting outside of himself as Captain America. From her office, Sh- Sharon- Shannon Carter Shannon. calls Shannon. <laughs> Sharon Carter calls a job to an unseen person, but if you have subtitles on. You know that she is talking to Batrock the Leaper. Yeah, you can you can kind of hear uh, he's French, yes, <laughs> or Algerian. But he's well, and she French. says right, and she says uh, you'd still even be in that prison in Algeria, which clues you in that it's Batrock, or at least at least makes it make sense when he shows up later. But yeah. also, I guess then means that she's the reason he got out in the first place. So yeah. does that mean she's bad though? Because the first time we met Batrock, Nick Fury hired him. Gray area. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, what if it turns out that Batroc Zeliper's role in the MCU is to constantly be hired by the good guys, and we think he's being the bad guy, and it turns out he's just being used for the good guys' aims? Just a thought. At the Wilson home, Sam and Bucky practice throwing the shield. Bucky apologizes to Sam, saying when he and Steve Rogers discuss giving Sam the shield, they, know, they had no idea how complicated giving it to a black man could be. When Barnes expresses struggles at moving on from his time as the Winter Soldier, Sam says, It doesn't matter what Steve thought. You gotta stop looking at other people to tell you who you are. I mean, that's just such a wonderful, wonderful line. And we've already discussed sort of the importance of some of these lines in this episode, but I just think it just continues to try to say a lot. I mean, for one... Like, it, like, I don't know about y'all, but that shit hit me, like, on a personal level. And then also in regards to what's going on in the show with Bucky, but also what's going on with Sam. Like I said earlier, Sam, he's always been a confident, sure-of-himself person, at least the way he has been portrayed here so far. And it's the outside world that he doesn't necessarily know, well, except him. He knows who he is, but he also understands the world being a place that wouldn't necessarily accept him, even if he was the best of everyone uh, because of, you know, because of the America that we live in. So I think these lines that we get here, this one is, it's just so good. And I think uh, for all of the, the, the shade that I've shown at this throw, when they're, when they're doing stuff like this, they're doing stuff right. Yeah. I know the question has been, are they going to make the subtext text? And they did. They had Bucky, 
literally check his privilege while he was talking to Sam, saying, "Hey, we didn't realize that we're from the '40s, okay?" Sure. <laughs> you know, I mean, that wasn't quite what he was getting at, but but really, the, he was like, "Yeah, we didn't think about the the complications of it." I'm really sorry that you know he gives a genuine apology. He's like, "I'm sorry I got mad at you because I wasn't thinking about it from your perspective. I was just thinking about." Well, of course you should be Captain America. Absolutely. Uh, we also, and like I said this to, to Peach during this exchange, but I think I'm going to walk it back now. There are a few shots of, of Bucky holding the shield, looking down at the shield. And I was like, maybe we still do get a world where they both end up becoming Captain America. But I think for what this story is trying to tell, it is important that Sam is Captain America. And only Sam. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, I think it's just important for where we're going forward. So maybe I'm rebuttaling myself here. But <laughs> at first I was like, oh, maybe they could still both be. But the more I think about it, the more I'm like, that'd be. I don't think that'd be very good. I think it needs to just be Sam. I think Sam needs to be Captain America. Whether Bucky is always by his side as, you know, his his partner, his co-worker, uh, his uh, two guys, you know, that's another thing. Just two guys and we're having a good time. <laughs> uh, but I think it's important that as far as who is Captain America, it has to be Sam. Yeah, the Sam, and and to just add on top of that, Sam, like you said, is in the right mindset. Like, he is sure of himself. He knows who he is. Um, Bucky is still working through who he is, and that's kind of the counseling that Sam gives him here is, hey, man, you weren't amending, you were avenging. Like, actually help those people and figure out who you are. It doesn't matter who someone thinks you need to be. Figure out who you need to be for yourself. Sam already knows that. So it's not like one of those, you have to know who you are to be Captain America things. But in this case, it does make a lot more sense that it's Sam because he's got his moral, he's got his morals cemented. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Sam tells Bucky if he wants to move on, he needs to start giving closure to the people he hurt instead of just stopping the people he helped. The two part as friends, sort of, vowing to work together again as soon as they find Carly Morgenthau. Now we get a lot of Sam Bucky here, and Peach, you agree with me when I say Sam the Sam Bucky thing is the best part of this show. Oh, it is. Yeah, I'm, it's a hot take, Peach. It's a hot take. I'm so yeah. hot right now. You're gonna have a lot of people arguing. I'm wearing this, a I piano think. key necktie. What a weird. No one's gonna get that reference. Okay. Anyways. I asked for that. I think I asked for that at the end of the last podcast we recorded. Was I wanted piano more key neckties? Piano key neckties, yeah. And I got three of them. Thank you, <laughs> listeners. I'm wearing, I'm wearing three of them. I have so many octaves on. Oh, that um, Patreon's really paying off. <laughs> that I wanted more Sam, like, like practicing with the shield. Hopefully, he was going to get it soon. And I wanted more relationship between the two of these these main characters, just developing and. I feel like it finally is at a really cool place after this episode. Um, I think they've definitely still got some work to do, right? Like I talked about earlier and I still stand by this where John Walker was probably a, should have been a formidable opponent in the state he was in for the two of them, but they still have some like tag team fighting that they could work on as a, as a group, like as partners, like, you know, they don't, know all the combo moves yet they got them by the end but they you know once they learn the one two punches they can maybe fight a little bit better but overall like i found every single scene of dialogue they were in in this episode very enjoyable um their talk at the end very great so good 
Um, I think the coolest thing about this scene to me, aside from, you know, the context that they're, the actual context that they're talking about is this scene kind of mirrors the first scene that Bucky has with his therapist in episode one. He will not open up to that woman, Dr. Rayner. He will not open up to her. She asks very similar questions. When she asks Bucky, are the nightmares still bothering him? He lies about having them. When he, when she asks how he's making amends, he shows that he's avenging, he's avenging instead of amending. In this counseling, I'm doing air quotes, listener. In this counseling, Sam asks if he has the nightmares and immediately he says, yeah, constantly. They're always in my head. And, and he opens up to Sam like he is their actual friends. Like, you know, at this point, they see each other as friends. And I think that it really shows what they have recently gone through and, and how they care about each other as human beings now that he could, he could be open like that. And I, I just found that really cool how it mirrored that scene. Um, another thing about this scene that I'll say really quickly is that I thought because there were so many like strings being tied up uh, for some of the plots that have happened in the, in the show so far, when Sam says, you know, make amends, go help those people. I bet there's someone on your list that could use being amended. I immediately looked at Eduardo and said something about um, the old man that he took to the bar. And I, and I, I was like, thing I was like, I'm about to cry. I don't have the capacity to watch that scene right now. And I bet that will happen in the last episode. I bet he will. We will revisit that relationship and he'll say, I killed your son. I'm so sorry. This is why. Um, but, you know, he, you know, I probably have 12 people on that list. Sam's like, that's great. Start with one. And, and that's who I thought of it, that he would be the one. So mm-hmm. yeah, just a great scene. And I, I like where their relationship landed and I hope we keep getting, you know, the two partners, not partners, friend guys that had a mutual friend and he's not around anymore deal. And also, I'm also team uh, Sarah and, and Bucky. <laughs> Yeah, I'm throwing that in here yeah, again. How can you not I just want everyone to know that, like, you know, unless you're BYU prior to the last decade, how can if you not someone be? tells you not to listen, if someone tells you not to flirt with their sister, you flirt with their sister, okay? As long as it's appropriate. <laughs> Anyways, here I'll go back to your notes. I now. mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna get any argument from me about how great the Bucky sandwich no. is here, right? You're also not gonna, gonna get. So you're not gonna the argument about flirting with. That's, sister. Ex- that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> Oh, worry, that sorry. was next up, but that's okay. You're also not going to get any argument with me about wanting to ship uh, Bucky and Sarah. So, all agreements from here. <laughs> Meanwhile, Sarah decides she's not going to sell the boat. While she talks to Sam about it, she convinces Sam not to let Isaiah Bradley stop him from taking up the shield of Captain America. I also, this is another thing that I also really like. Sam just tells his sister about Isaiah. It's not this like mm-hmm. s- closely guarded thing because they have a really healthy relationship as brother and sister, yeah. which we don't get a lot of. Like, it, it's all kind of refreshing to see someone that's so close to one of their siblings. I'm close to both of my siblings, and we talk. I, I wouldn't say we talk a lot because you know I live in New Hampshire, and so sometimes it can be difficult. But I don't feel like I would ever need to hide anything from my sisters, and I, I so I really enjoy this sort of dynamic between. Uh, between Sam and, and Sarah, I think it's really cool to see a healthy family relationship right that like that that is not built on their love, you know, like 
that's the only thing that matters. Like, I think uh, it's cool to see that. I'd like to see my sibling relationship mirrored where all the Avengers decide that, hey, Sarah's really great. She should hang out with us. And, like, she's in the Avengers group chat now. (laughs) (laughs) She gets invited to the podcast. I feel like you started that. I feel like you're the one that did that. (laughs) Do you want Sarah to get invited to the Bucky and uh, Sam podcast that they eventually put on about (laughs) the assembly required a greater universe? (laughs) (laughs) To be fair. (laughs) No, no, I... No, I know it's because when I would come to visit Florida and he lived in Florida, I'd be like, hey, let's go uh, hang out with my friends. And yeah. then one day he just... And one day he was <laughs> like, I'm your friend too, Mr. Todd. He showed up and then he never <laughs> left. <laughs> I didn't know we had so many Sweeney Todd fans in this in this podcast. I love, God, I'm that's that good. I'm not that much of a Sweeney Todd fan. It was just the voice and delivery. You know, you sounded. You don't like my Mister Love It. I'm your friend too, Mister Todd. Have you seen that episode of The Simpsons where Homer goes to get his life savings out of the bank, and then he's like, "Well, you need your wife to sign too," and then he goes and hides behind the bush in the bank, and then he goes, "Oh, Homer, I'll sign," and then he gets on his knees and starts talking as Lisa and says, "Daddy." Can I have some candy? <laughs> and then he then he stands up and looks down at where he was once and goes, No, no, Lisa, you can't. And then he gets down on his knees again and says, At least get some for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought. Well, you're welcome. Sam says he doesn't know what the point of all the pain and sacrifice would be if he wasn't willing to stand up and keep fighting. Then, through a sweet montage, he gets fit and masters throwing the shield. He gets more fit because he's already pretty yoked. Right. Uh, Yeah, I was wondering, like, why is he working out so much? Isn't he already, you know... I thought this was going to be the end of the episode, but then we get two more scenes. Yeah, no, we we got some real Return of the King stuff going on in this episode. In Central Park, New York, Carly Morgenthau meets with Batrock the Leaper, who provides her with weapons. Batrock wants to help them kill Sam Wilson, and Morgenthau wants to use him to help their final battle. I don't know why it's all necessary. I feel like everything progresses just the same if you don't reintroduce Batrock. Okay, I'm sorry. Kind of like saying Central Park, New York. <laughs> I'm sure there are other Central Parks. Central Park, Wyoming. There, there are <laughs> other Central Parks. Yeah. I'm sure there are, but I would assume that anyone listening to this podcast <laughs> understands that we are talking about Central Park, New York, the location that was featured in this episode. I'm sorry. I only, you know what happens I when you make assumptions? You. you make an ass out of you and umptions. <laughs> ass out of you and New York. Dang. Uh, <laughs> as they discuss it, the flag smasher alert creates a congregation of followers across the park. Yeah, she like flexes on him. She's like, no, we got this. And then all of her followers show She's like a hunger game. She does her little <laughs> rue whistle. <Yeah. laughs> Did we just... Yeah. Did we just become best friends? <laughs> <laughs> oh that was magical sam watches news of the uh the major grc repatriation vote on the news while taurus calls and tells him he's tracked the flag smashers there as the grc argues about the vote members of the grc security who had been seen earlier in central park lock down the building and move in on the grc heads wait which central park Oh, it's, New York. it's the one in New York. <laughs> okay, thank you. Also, did you get Hail Hydra vibes where they were like, one world, one people? I was like, oh, it's yeah. Hydra. 
the episode. Also, I, I need to pause real quick and say that this man on this podcast called every park Central Park when we were in New York. So. <laughs> but it was a bit. It was a bit. That's fair. Yeah, and next you're going to say that seeing the sacks on Fifth Avenue was a bit. Yes, yes it was. <laughs> Listeners, just so everyone knows, we found a bunch of garbage bags on Fifth Avenue. I got really excited about seeing the famous Fifth Avenue sacks. And I literally called every patch of grass Central Park. I think I think the two of us were probably unbearable to anyone who had been to New York prior. <laughs> yes. uh, no, I don't think you were. I think you were unbearable to people just in general. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, why limit yourself? <laughs> That's very kind. Dream big. <laughs> oh, we have fun. The episode dramatically ends with Sam opening the case from Wakanda and taking a deep breath. As Sam puts his finger on that little thing and goes to open the case, I just started saying over and over again, don't you do it. Don't you do it. Don't you I did do the it. Same thing. And then the second it cut to the credits, I was like, I knew it. I knew they were going to do that. And I said, mm-hmm. it's Gwyneth Paltrow's head. I understood that right. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was yelling at the TV like, "Don't you make me wait until next week!" Yeah. And then the credits start rolling, and Angela says, "They're making you wait until next week." <laughs> yeah. Also, for the record, the first time I watched, I did not watch the end credit scene because it didn't bother. And then the second time I watched, I didn't do it on purpose. I just left it on. I'm like, wait, end Robbie, credit scene. You're the reason that people still find it necessary to post Facebook statuses telling people to stay for the end credit scene of Marvel things. <laughs> Watch the damn credits. Or at least fast forward through them slowly. Slow forward through them. Fast forward slowly. Speaking of end credits. John Walker feverishly welts together a janky discount Captain America shield. <laughs> That's going to get broken so quick. Good value. <laughs> and he like, I think it's kind of cool that he like welds a medal of honor on there. Like, mm-hmm. look, I'm Captain America. You can see it. This is what you gave me for the, this is what I gave for this country. You know, hopes and predictions for the last episode of Captain America oh, and the, or, I'm sorry, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I guess I could say Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam and uh, Sarah's boo. Uh, Chris, <laughs> what do you want for the last episode? And how how do you think Uncle Sam and stepdad? <laughs> oh God! <laughs> uh, um, go ahead. Okay, okay, so my bold prediction is going to be that when the episode ends, we're going to cut to a title card, but instead of saying the Falcon of the Winter Soldier, it will say Captain America and the White Wolf. Oh. Um, also, we already talked about it, but Elaine is definitely putting together an evil Avengers like a bad Nick Fury. Uh, also, Sharon Carter, I don't know what her deal is. I, we've all assumed she's a power broker, and maybe that is still what it is, but why is she sending Batroc to work with the Flag Smasher who was against the power broker? Um, I think she's become more of a Nick Fury type kind of manipulating people, but I'm not sure what side she's on yet. But I had a thought. And they probably won't do this, but what if the nurse that helped Isaiah sneak out was her? Hello, nurse theory. Because she was under... <laughs> yes, the hello, nurse theory. This is my surveillance stork. It's uh, <laughs> Nurse Carter. Because um, she was a nurse in Winter Soldier, right? And assuming that she's still living up to the ideals that her Aunt Peggy taught her, uh, maybe... 
maybe she saw a chance to do something right and break out Isaiah from his prison. Here's my question on that. When did Isaiah break out of prison? Because, okay, so... Yeah, we don't know how long ago it was. It's a question of when did he break people out of a POW camp. No, I, no, 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 no. I guess in my head I was thinking it was he's the Korean that. War. He's not referring to that. He's referring to the nurse that declared him dead so he could leave. Right, that's what I'm talking about. But that yeah. would have been 30 years after he was arrested. Oh, so, yeah. right. When when was he arrested? Mm. Yeah, so that would prop Because he was in Korea, right? That's what, yeah. Yeah. So. so if that was the, the event, then... That would have meant she was his nurse in the 80s? Oh, yeah. No, I guess that wouldn't work. All right. I don't know. I don't know. Wait, did you I like the on his surveillance stork like that, bro? Like, <laughs> come on. Now you know how it feels to ruin someone's surveillance stork, Soundlord. All right. Well, well, I, I take it back. Sharon is just Sharon. Or the power or broker. Or Shannon. But she's not no, the No, nice this nurse. isn't how it works. You're supposed to defend it to the death. Okay. Uh, the stork will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Robbie, what do you think is going to happen next? Oh, I'm definitely buying that the stork is going to kill somebody. <laughs> if this stork comes back in Multiverse of Madness, I swear, Please. the stork is actually the the true villain of the new uh, Doctor Strange movie. Stork was the theories we made along the way. Um, so obviously, obviously, our wrap up is coming. Uh, we've talked about there's a whole lot of strings. I don't know how they're going to be all wrapped up. This felt a lot like episode of 12 of Daredevil, which ended up being an episode where not that much happened. Just some characterization and some setting up of the finale. It even felt like Daredevil with the like, oh, he's going to get the suit. He's going to get the suit. But you don't get to see the suit. It's, it's um, so, uh, yeah. Um, what I'm very interested in is how the finale is going to handle everything. But also, I'm kind of confused about what the wrap-up's going to be. And this is, not, this is not a judgment thing. This is a me having trouble piecing together a prediction of what's going to come. Because the scenario we've set up for the finale is bad guy on bad guy with more bad guy. Because the, the dramatic scenario that's coming is the GRC, which is bad guys, are being attacked by the Flag Smashers, which are bad guys. So we don't have a clear, like... Sam's got to go save the president from an oil derrick thing going on. It's what, what exactly? Now that doesn't mean that there's not a situation that Captain America can't go defuse, but we don't have the clear cut good versus evil comic book situation. We normally would. Um, and I'm, I'm assuming it's also going to need, I'm assuming it's also going to be need, need to be done somewhat publicly to get that whole, you know, Captain America does something does heroism, the shield is saved thing. Um, and I guess I'm just having trouble picturing how that's going to come, but we'll see. Um, I'm just, I'm interested. I can't visualize where this is going. Um, did I miss something? And if I didn't, then Peach? Nope. I just <laughs> thought of something really stupid when you said oil, Derek. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> I hardly know Derek. Somehow, through the three screens of Discord, we still managed to make eye contact and share that moment. Was yours from the good place? Was it maximum oil, Derek? (laughs) (laughs) 
though, but I wish it had been. I was just like, my, my first thought was, who's oil, Derek? And then I thought about our friend Derek and thought of him, like, slipping in a puddle of water. <laughs> I thought about Jason Manzoukas coming out of the woodwork to say, maximum oil, Derek. <laughs> oh, that would have been better. <sighs> Okay, I keep saying that I don't know what the hell's coming up in this episode when we get to this point of our podcast because I just don't know. There's just so much going on, and they did tie up some loose ends, but there's still a lot more to tie up. I think I'm interested mostly at the main, what seems to be the main one at this point is how they're going to tie up the Flag Smasher plot, how that's going to shake down. Who, Like Robbie just said, there's so many villain subgroups like how are the villain subgroups gonna fight each other while the heroes fight the villain subgroups i don't who knows at this point i also want to say five of our six episodes are now gone and we have had so little sharon carter that i just Mm -hmm. don't i don't know if i've had many characters in the mcu that i frankly don't care about anymore but like i'm starting to just not care what they do with her because it seems like she's just been in this show to lead us on even if this point she is the power broker if if i was right about that in our third podcast about this i just i don't know if i care anymore because power broker was like like i said earlier it was like the mephisto of the show at this point like what did power broker do who cares it was a plot device for a couple episodes and they haven't made an impact really since. So who cares? Who cares if Sharon's the power broker or like the the king of claymation? There's another Zoolander reference. And why am I making Zoolander references? It doesn't matter. I don't really care what happens with her anymore. Maybe What is this? A school for ants? <laughs> Maybe we'll have some more Sharon in the last episode. Okay. But like to what degree? I don't know. Because they just keep giving us like the smallest pieces of cheese and it's like it's not enough, you know. Um, also, he doesn't need any more juice. No. <laughs> uh, Joaquin got the wings, so that's pretty cool, right? We talked about that earlier, so maybe in the future we'll see a half man, half bird, half vampire. Eduardo. First off, I want to say rip to this podcast's favorite theory: Sister Gate is finally over. We finally know <laughs> that that's John Walker's wife. Still technically, <laughs> it still technically could be his sister. But we're gonna go with the assumption that it is not, and it is his wife. Sister, siblings are dating. Siblings. Are dating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bailey's favorite. I don't, Instagram. I don't know if I necessarily... So here's how I think it's going to play out. I think we're going to get the Flag Smashers. And I think that this lady, Madam Hydra, I think she's still working for the U.S. government or for the GRC in some capacity. And I think John Walker is going to be the one to show up there as U.S. agent to be the representative of the GRC against the Flag Smashers. And it's going to be up to our heroes to separate these two sides and defuse this situation or find a way to stop whatever clash is going to be happening. And Batrock the Leaper is there. Yeah, no one cares about him. <laughs> Honestly. Whether whether it's on behalf of the government or not, I do agree that he's just going to show up and... He's absolutely going to really He's going to fuck things up <laughs> Yeah, and so, I mean, look, I, I, I just want them to be... I really want them to stick the landing. 
we have been, I feel like, a lot more critical on this than we have a lot of the most recent Marvel stuff. Like, a lot of the recent Marvel stuff, we're all just pretty high on. Like, we have been on a Marvel high for what feels like forever. And this has been, I'll say, not as good as a whole so far. There have been some moments that have been really great. This episode being one of the exceptions for me. Uh, mm-hmm. But there have been a lot of moments that were not great. Episode three is a bag of doo-doo. Like, it's, <laughs> it's just yes. not... Like, it's... Especially compared to this episode, it's not good. Mm-hmm. Oh, you, oh, I'm sorry. You can legally compare it to this episode. I was going to say you couldn't, but... I'll you say just it, can't it wasn't compare... as good as the uh, Bewitched episode of WandaVision. <laughs> yeah, there, wait, I said. No, you're not allowed to compare it to WandaVision. I'll do what I want. It's a free country. <laughs> Captain America died so I could do that. Damn. Uh, so, yeah, I just, I really want them to stick the landing. Ratings! Robbie, what are you going to rate episode five? I will give it seven bad Elaine dances out of ten. Uh, <laughs> Chris? I am going to give it nine new Avengers of old Christine out of ten. I cannot take credit for that. I saw that as a tweet. I think the creator of Bojack Horseman tweeted it. And it's one of those <laughs> jokes I immediately wish that I had thought of because it's that good. Uh, Peach? One day I will understand what both of those ratings meant. I gave it eight and a half mystery boxes out of ten, referring to the one that Gwyneth Paltrow's head is in. Eduardo? I give it nine Sarah and Bucky Forevers out of ten. Amen. That's going to do it for this episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective. If you want to send us an email, let us know your thoughts. AssemblyRequiredCast at gmail.com. Want to follow the show on Twitter. It's going to be at AssemblyCast. Follow all of us individually. D underscore Peaches, GatorSax2010, PhilKid3, ABCD, Eduardo1. If you want to support the show, patreon.com slash assembly required is going to be the best place. And once again, huge shout out to our Avengers level patriots, the first Avenger, Brian and Riley. Thank you guys so, so much. That's going to do it for myself, Peaches, Chris, Robbie. We love you 3,000. Bye, everybody. Excelsior. (laughs) Hey, Sarah. here because i gotta use the bathroom again don't you uh, chris this is at uh 4831 uh that's don't. great oh that when i get to 4831 while i'm listening back it'll be nice <laughs> that you just told me the timestamp. <laughs> you're welcome hi future chris and present chris
Oh, there's don't, two of them. Don't fart in this Just room while, before you leave. <laughs> Just take it with you. Already did. No! 